wall here. I'm just going to move that so I can see it. Uh, in about 15 minutes, we are going to do a um, Remembrance Sunday thing. Um, there's a video about 12 or 15 people have reminded me I hadn't forgotten. Um, so when that, uh, when that time comes, we'll do that thing, if you see what I mean. Um, this, morning, uh, this morning, I want to, uh, I want to briefly look at the first Irishman in the Bible. And Jesus meets the first Irishman in the Bible. Would anybody like to guess who the first Irishman in the Bible is? Breeze. It was great. Nick or Demas? Indeed. Um, so I'm going to. If you make me start laughing, this is going to take an awful lot longer. Uh, I'm going to read the first 15 verses of John 3. Um, if you have a Bible, please feel free to follow along. If you don't, that's absolutely fine. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. It's told he was an Irishman. Named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. But how can this be when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. But how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you don't understand these things? Understand these things? I'll tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. And you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Lord, this morning, on a day when we've been reminded again and again how you are, Lord, help me, help us to see again how you are. To see again what you are. Lord, let my words fall to the ground. Let your words fall into our ears, into our hearts. Produce the harvest you desire. Amen. I'll put that there before I not drop it accidentally. Um, a little bit of background. This passage comes right at the start of Jesus' ministry. It's in John 3, the closing the numbers. Jesus has been, has grown up, has been gone to the River Jordan, been baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. He's done the turning water into wine stuff. He's called a few disciples. And then he's gone to Jerusalem for the first time to celebrate the festival of Passover with his few disciples. 
And it's a critical time. You get the feeling it's a critical time for this, this new young travelling rabbi. It's the time when everybody's watching him, when everybody wants to know what he thinks. It's when he sets out, starts to set out in concrete terms what his particular teaching is, his particular way of, of looking at the, at the scriptures, his particular way of thinking about God is. It's a time for him to make a big splash. And he really does that because he goes to Jerusalem and he sees the, the money, t- money changers with a table set up in the, in the temple courts and he just, oh, he turns the tables over. He says, you turn my father's house into a marketplace. And then he says, if you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. This is the kind of thing that really gets you talked about in high places. So people start to wonder what kind of person he actually is. <clears throat> what kind of person he actually is. And up steps a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. So a little bit of background. Who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees, the Pharisees are some of the leading religious leaders and thinkers of the day. Generally speaking, there are two factions of Judaism at the time. There are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That are I'm ignoring the Essenes, who are like the People's Front for Judea. But, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, and we read a little bit later on in Acts, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, that there are neither angels nor spirits. But the Pharisees acknowledge them all. The Sadducees, there is no re- resurrection. That is why they are so sad, you see. <laughs> Thank you very much. Ian Blewett, Bounds of Christian Fellowship, circa 1987. But, but do you know what, actually? That's, why you're, that's how you remember which is which. Pharisees don't believe in the resurrection. That is why they are... Sorry, Sadducees don't. You obviously don't remember it very well. Sorry, Ian. Sorry, Ian, you didn't teach me well enough. I was an unable student. Um, so Nicodemus, as a member, is, is one of these Pharisees. A member of the ruling council. And we sometimes tempted to think that, that, Jesus, that Nicodemus comes to see him at night because he's a bit. And we think about maybe personal curiosity and he wants a bit of privacy. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I think with what Jesus had done that day, whoever had gone to see him, whenever they'd gone to see him, everybody would have known. It would have been, oh, that Jesus that did that, yeah, yeah, I guess who went to see him the other day, who went to see him the other day. I mean, people love to gossip. We just gossips. We just... I, who try my very best not to, love to gossip. I try not to. But no, on verse 2, Nick, one of the things Nicodemus says is, we know that you are this, that, and the other. So I wonder if actually Nicodemus has gone, been sent by the council to check out Jesus. Has he been sent there? as a member of the council's ruling, ruling council, to see if Jesus... And does he go at night to see if Jesus is the same in private as he is in public? Because they've seen, they've seen the public Jesus. They've seen the turning the tables over Jesus. You think they want to know, is the Jesus at night with his friends? Is that the same Jesus? Is he with them? The righteous, righteous um, teacher of the law? That he is... 
in public. If that's the case, he certainly gets what he came for. I'm sorry, I really do have a... One of those mornings. Um, Just before the start of this passage, I read um, at the back end of John 2, it reads, I don't need any help. I don't need sympathy for it. I can cough on my own. Give up. Just, so, just before that passage, um, uh, talking about Jesus, John, John writes, he knew what was in each person. The Peterson version says he didn't need any help seeing right through them. When people came to Jesus, he knew why they came. He knew their motives. He knew their motivations. In that case, in which case, I wonder if that it might make slightly more sense of the of Jesus' response in the passage because he knew Nicodemus' motivation in coming, whatever his motivation was, Jesus knew. And since Nicodemus was a Pharisee, he already believed in the afterlife. He possibly, possibly, probably had some ideas already how to get there. But Jesus doesn't claim ideas. Jesus claims knowledge. Jesus says no one's gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And he's talking about himself. He self-appellates as the Son of Man. Not a Son of Man. In the the Hebrew Scriptures you get Son of Man, a Son of Man. Jesus says I'm the. Jesus is making a very bold claim. He's saying to Nicodemus in no uncertain terms, I came from heaven. And all the listeners would have understood that. All the people listening to him would have understood. He was saying, I came from heaven. Um, I know, I've got it. Yeah, 20 seconds. I can even tell you what time it is in Las Vegas. Uh, would you all be kind of stand up, please? We're going to do our remembrance thing. If you can stand, please stand. David, would you be kind to fire the video, please? They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember them. 
This morning we pray for all who suffer as a result of conflict and ask that God may give us peace for the men, servicemen and women who have died in the violence of war, each one remembered by and known to God, for those who love them in death as in life, offering the distress of our grief and the sadness of our loss, for all members of the armed forces who are in danger this day, remembering family, friends and all who pray for their safe return. For civilian women, children and men whose lives are disfigured by war or terror, calling to mind in horror the anger and hatreds of humanity. We pray for peacemakers and peacekeepers who seek to keep this world secure and free. For all who bear the burden and privilege of leadership, political, military and religious, asking for gifts of wisdom and resolve in the search for reconciliation and peace. God of truth and justice, We hold before you those whose memory we cherish and those whose names we will never know. Help us to lift our eyes above the torment of this world and grant us the grace to pray for those who wish us harm. As we honour the past, may we put our faith in the future, for you are the source of life and hope, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. If you take your seats, that'd be grand. So what do we see in this passage? What do we see in this Jesus and Nicodemus thing? Sometimes we're tempted to think, and sometimes as a church we're tempted to think, that Jesus only cares about the poor and the needy. So we should only care about the poor and the needy. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus cares about absolutely everyone. And the gospel is true for absolutely everyone. The good news is for everyone. Yes, for the poor and needy, but yes... For the rich and needy, for the wealthy and needy, for the well and needy, for the well-fed and needy, for the well-educated and needy, for the well and needy. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel we preach must be one of universal access or it's not the same gospel that Jesus preached. Jo touched lightly on this a few weeks ago and she quoted Leviticus 19. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. It's God saying, you're all in it. We're all in it. Verse 2, Nicodemus comes at night. I might have been being a little bit unfair on Nicodemus earlier on. But maybe, maybe he was just another curious individual. Maybe he was just a curious guy. Maybe he just wanted to know. Maybe he was slightly ashamed of, of rocking up CGs during the daytime. Maybe that's why he didn't at night. Maybe it was. Maybe thought, I ought to know all the answer to this, but there are things I don't know. Maybe felt a bit, I don't know about it. But we can come however we feel. However we feel. If we think we've got all but one of the answers, or if we think we've got none of the answers, if I don't know the answer to any of this, I uh, (laughs) remember. The company I work for are employer advertising for people to do what I do. My, my line manager is the guy that interviews them. And uh, so he's interviewing for electricians at the moment. And, uh, but he's got a little A4 sheet of paper that he gives them a test just to see if they know what they're talking about. And one chap turned up and, uh, and, he, and Dean gave him, the, gave him the test and he looked at the paper. He looked at Dean, looked at the paper. He just said, I'm sorry. 
it's gone. And Dean said, it's all right. And there's only a dozen questions on it, some of which I could get the answer for. And uh, this guy said to him, I'm, I'm really sorry, it's just gone. Well, I'll take a minute or have a think about it. No, I'm sorry, mate. Thanks for interviewing me and walked out. He didn't know any of the answers to any of the questions. So when some people come to Jesus like that, they don't know anything. And some people know lots of things. And it doesn't matter. Because Jesus says, whatever you know, come anyway. Whatever you feel, if you feel full of yourself and full of the joys of spring, come to me. If you feel low and ashamed and hurt and horrible, come to me. The gospel we preach is a universal gospel. Whoever you are, however you are. Jesus says, come to me. Verse 4. Verse 4. When Nicodemus says, just verse 4 shows that Jesus isn't scared or put off by genuine curiosity. I think, I think Nicodemus simply doesn't understand something that's beyond his reasoning, beyond his understanding. Like, like Mary, when the angel Gabriel says to her, you're going to have a child, Mary goes, how does that work? I just don't understand how does that work. And Jesus, what Jesus says to Nicodemus is in, in essence the same as the angel says to Mary. Jesus says it's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a God thing. You can't reach up so God reaches down. You can't make it on your, happen on your own so God makes it happen for you. Again and again and again and again we see in Scripture people saying to God it's impossible. And God's saying, not for me. Not for me, it's not. They say, I can't. And God says, I can. We say, there's no way. And God goes, Yahweh. We say, I need. And God says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. We say, I'm sick. And he says, I'm Jehovah Rophe, your healer. We say, I'm in this battle alone. And he says, I'm Jehovah Nisi, your victorious banner. We can say, I'm facing overwhelming odds. And he says, I'm Jehovah Tsaba, the Lord of hosts, God of the angel armies. We say, I'm in turmoil. And he says, I am Jehovah Shalom, God of your peace. We say, I'm just a lost sheep. And he says, I'm Jehovah Rohi, your shepherd. We say, I'm just a miserable sinner. And he says, I'm Jehovah Tzidkenu, your righteousness. And we say, I'm unclean. And he says, I'm Jehovah Mkedesh, the one who makes you holy. And we say, I feel alone. And he says, I am Jehovah Shama, the ever-present one. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. We say, no way. And he says, Yahweh. Time and again in Hebrew Scriptures, and time and again in my life, I have said, God, I don't know. And he says, I am that which you need me to be. That's how big I am. That's how big our God is. He's big enough for all we need him to be. He's not scared of 
of our hard questions. One of the things that always makes me smile when, when non-Christians talk to us, they, they come to us with hard questions. Oh, what about this? What about that? Alpha's brilliant for this. Alpha's brilliant for this because he says, fetch your hard questions and we'll talk about it. And people come to us with hard questions. What about this? What about that? As though Christians are, do what Gary John was talking about earlier and just, I'll tell you what, I've become a Christian now. I'll leave my brains in the office. and No Christian I know no Christian I know hasn't thought of the hard questions. I have never met an atheist who has asked me a question about God that I haven't already thought of. Genuinely. It would be, be nice to meet one occasionally. Being a Christian doesn't mean we're idiots. doesn't mean we, we think there are no hard questions. Being a Christian means that we know there's a God that knows the answers to the hard questions, even when we don't. Verse 14, 15. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is reminding the listeners of a story they would have known, a story they would have heard in in, um, Sunday school. In Numbers 21, the, the Jews have they've come out of Israel. Uh, the other one, Egypt, thank you. The Jews have come out of Egypt. They've crossed, the, they've, again, what Gary John talked about earlier. They got to the Red Sea and gone, God, we're, the physical is in front of us here. And the bodies are behind us. And God goes, ah, time for a spiritual thing. And parts the Red Sea. Time for supernatural. And the Red Sea parts and they cross across. But because their memories are no better than mine, they forget about this remarkably quickly and start complaining to God and growing impatient, speaking against God, speaking against Moses. And then they're plagued by venomous snakes who bite the people. So Hebrew Numbers 21 says they bit, they bit the people and many Israelites died. So the Israelites cry out to God again, going, God, we need a supernatural to overcome the natural again. They cry out to God for mercy. In verses 8 and 9 we read, The Lord, God God, said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the, but, and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. This is so clearly foreshadowing of our being plagued by the wages of sin and how Jesus will be crucified and if we look to him we can live thereafter this is so clearly Jesus saying saying to them later on in two or three years something's going to happen and it's going to be horrible but when you see it remember that When you think about it afterwards, remember that. Remember the God of the Hebrew Scriptures is still the God that's working now. Jesus says, I don't don't come to to tear up and throw away all that stuff. I've come to... What's the word I'm looking for? Fulfill it. it. Thank you, sweetheart. I've, I've come to fulfill all that. I've 
come to have come to so when you read those stories again, you'll go, ah, so that Jesus was that in that. Not a pie in the sky when you die as well. The eternal life Jesus is talking about is he's a here and now eternal life. Again, that's why he talks about though the snake thing. Because the people who were bitten by the snakes carried on living. Their life kept going. Our eternal life, when we give our lives to him, is a now thing. It's not a, well, I've given my life to him and that means future heaven and heaven, heaven plus day one is sorted. It means today is sorted. It means the kingdom of heaven is here. Finally, what can we learn from this passage? Jesus and the unasked questions. And I love it when you read the scriptures and when, when, peop, when Jesus interacts with people, when he one-on-ones people, as opposed to when he talks to the crowd, when he talks to the crowd, he's fantastic. But when he one-on-ones people, so often, it's, it, he, you can tell he sees what's not obvious. When he looks at people, he sees what's not obvious. Those scriptures I read earlier, that he knows what's in people's hearts. So when he, when he says to a, to a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? When he says to a, a crippled man lying by a pool waiting for a healing, he says, do you want to get well? When a, some friends lower one of their friends through the roof, he says to the man on the mat, your sins are forgiven. He sees what isn't obvious. It's Luke 18, John 6, Mark 5. And here, when Nicodemus comes to him, he sees what, it's not obvious, but he sees. And he responds to Nicodemus's unasked question. And he responds to everybody's unasked question. The unasked question that we all have. And the unasked question is that we often can't articulate. And it's what about eternity? What about eternity? In Ecclesiastes 3, 11, the writer says, He, the creator God, has set eternity in the hearts of men. Eternity in the hearts of men. I love that. He's set eternity in our hearts. It's what drives us to write poems and songs and plays and films. It's what drives us to paint pictures and carve sculptures and build skyscrapers. It's what drives us to look at mountains and oceans and sunrises and sunsets and stars and space in awe and wonder because we know that there's something more inside us than just being like the, the batteries in this thing. When the batteries go dead, it's gone. There's something more inside us. There's something inside us that says there's more than that. There's more than that. Can I have the band back, please? It's a little sliver of God the Creator embedded in all of us in Genesis 1. When God says, let us make mankind in our own image. That's the point where he sets eternity in our hearts. That knowledge, sometimes buried so deep down that in all the racing chatter of the world, we drowns it out. But when we're alone, before we go to sleep, 
something in our heart says there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than the physical. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, yeah, there's more than this. There's more than this. There's, there's the world you can see, the flesh stuff, the being born of water, there's that stuff. And you've seen that and you know that. But there's the stuff you can't see as well. There's the spiritual stuff. There's the being born from above stuff. There's a kingdom of God you cannot see and it's like the wind blowing. And like you can't see the wind blowing, you can see the effects of it. It's one of the ways we talk about God. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying you can't see God in heaven. In the same way as you can't see the wind. But you can feel the effects of the wind and you can feel the effects of God in heaven. You can feel him moving in your lives and its effects and his effects are unmistakable. Which is more, Jesus says, it's the kingdom of now. It's the kingdom now. Right after the big long bit I read at the start, Jesus goes on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Brian Houston, who leads um, that big song in Australia, that big church in Australia, said if God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. But he wanted to save the world, so he sent a saviour. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes, this, it's not a, an intellectual acknowledgement of his existence. But it's following trust. It's about a following trust of him. It's about saying, yes, I trust you with my life. I trust you that your spiritual will overcome my natural. And we can see that, that it obviously touched Nicodemus' life. It obviously it changed him. He'd been this upright member of the ruling council. You, you don't get to do that unless you are by the rules, by the book guy. And yet the next time we read about him in John 7, he's, he's trying to deflect the, the council's fervor, hatred away from Jesus. And then we see him again in John 21, after the, John 19, after the crucifixion. Nicodemus is one of the two people that take Jesus' body and treat this body of a crucified criminal like an honoured king. They bring 33 kilos of myrrh and aloes for the body. And everybody would have known he'd done that as well. Everybody would have known that that means he's treating Jesus like a king. He changed his life. He changed his life forever. Those actions speak to me of a man who had that following trust, who believed, who said, yeah, I want that, I want that. I want that for my life. I want that. I've had that born of water. I want that born of the Spirit as well. And those actions speak to me of a man who did that who had that. 
In Psalm 139, David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And this morning, that's where I'm going to finish with. In that God soul of the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And this morning, I'm going to give us an opportunity again to come back to him in whatever, or to come to him, come back to him in whatever place we are, whether in a great place or a terrible place, whether we've got a thousand and one questions or whether we know everything but one thing, or whether we don't know him at all, whether all this stuff this morning has just been mind-boggling and not understandable, then know this. Jesus came to show us that God cares. Jesus stepped down out of heaven. He said, nobody's come from heaven but me. He stepped down out of heaven to show us that the thing we cannot reach, the place we cannot go, the God of heaven is big enough to say, you can't get to me, then I'll come to you. If you want to follow him, if you want to become one of those disciples of Jesus, if you want to become a Christian, follow him. There's a, there's a prayer we pray. It's not magic, it just... But it says what we say when we want to follow him. This prayer goes, Lord Jesus, I know I've done things wrong in my thoughts, words and actions. There are so many good things I have not done. There are so many wrong things I have done. I'm sorry for those wrong things and I turn from everything I know to be bad. You gave your life for me on a cross and gratefully I give my life back to you. Now I ask you to come into my life. Come in as my saviour to clean me. Come in as my Lord to lead me. And I will serve you all the remaining days of my life. Amen. And if you pray that prayer this morning, then you take the first step of eternity. Eternity isn't heaven and beyond. Eternity is today and now and now and now and now. And if you pray that prayer for the first time this morning, then you've made that step. If you have, that's just fantastic. You've taken a step into eternity. If you've done that, please, after, the, after we've sung one more song, somebody's going to be stood in a New Connections corner. Please go over there and tell them what you've done. We'll want to put some materials in your hands to make the next steps of eternity easier for you. And come and tell us what you've done. And for those of you that have just have prayed it before, but have prayed it again, we're still in eternity. And God, Gary John says, tomorrow, there'll still be mountains tomorrow and there'll still be seas tomorrow. But know that when we say, I can't, it's too big, it's too far, it's too high, it's too wide, it's too deep, it's too... God says, me, Yahweh, I can. Thank you, Rob.